We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 Fantasy Football Running Back Rankings Quarterback Rankings. We're going to have you having a early look at what's going on in early drafts and how people finished a year ago and what we're thinking now that the Super Bowl is over. Free agency has yet to start. There has been no draft. If you were drafting today, how are we assessing these? Obviously, as you should know by now, that uh, if you're somehow clicking on this video or listening to this podcast in late August, stuff has changed. I don't know what has changed, but stuff has changed. Some guys are injured. Some guys are on different teams. But that's not what we're here to talk about. You'd think, Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com, I wouldn't have to say this. But I get messages every <laughs> single year. It's like, I watched your video from February, and it is now September the 2nd. And I don't think that this is good information. It's like, yeah. You're right. You are absolutely correct on that. <laughs> We're going to debate through your rankings today, something we never do, but, you know, I didn't feel like doing any. I know. Hey, I, I appreciate that for a change, but I got one up. I think I can one up you on this one. I actually had comments last year, so I do the way too early rankings, and then I do post NFL free agency and draft rankings, and somebody on that separate post said, are you going to update the previous rankings as well? Like, it's a separate post. This is why I did this so you didn't have to go back to the other article. Yeah, so you good people who are watching out there, we know that you know this. It's for those random people who are tuning in who don't seem to know anything. But let's jump into it right away. You did your <laughs> running back rankings. We're going to go position by position, cover running backs and quarterbacks in this one, receivers and tight ends in another video and podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience, by the way, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. Leave a rating and review. All that fun stuff. Download the episodes. And if you're watching the video version on YouTube, smash the like button to this episode in the comment section. Give me your top three half-point PPR running backs in your rankings, because I'm guessing they might be a little bit all over the place this year, depending 
on how your risk, risk tolerance is going to go with some guys coming back from injury, buying into hype from some guys from a year ago. I'm just very curious to know what the public is thinking on this. So smash the like, sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube, and in the description, give me your top three running backs for half-point PPR going in to the 2022 season. Question off the top, did you rank any of the guys in the draft? No, right? No, no. That's the after the free agency and the draft. Uh, I know a lot of people out there do like to draft like actually do their draft in the off season around now. And I understand it. Cause Hey, you know, I believe in this kid more than somebody else, or I think this is what's going to happen in free agency. Sure. It's fun. I'm never going to do it. I don't recommend doing it because I think more times than not, people don't realize the downfall is so much greater than the upside, especially with free agency. And then, of course, if you include the draft, uh, we could look at last year. It really depends on where running backs are going to land. You know, you could have the best running back in the draft class end up in a timeshare like Javante Williams just did. Or you could have somebody get the backfield complete to himself and he'll leapfrog that guy just because of the opportunity. So that's why I don't do it. I know some people do, but that's why I don't. So the current free agent crop, which we do have listed amongst their previous teams right now, Melvin yes. Gordon, J David Johnson, Jalen Rocket, Richard, Leonard Fournette, Philip Lindsay, Cordero Patterson, Raheem, or Sideshow Raheem Moster. He's probably not coming back, I'm guessing, unless he gets a very nice deal. Rashad Penny, who probably got himself millions <laughs> of dollars after his incredible December-January run with the Seahawks. James White, Sony Michelle, Jeff Wilson, Merlin Retordu, the Mac. Brandon Bolton, Ronald Jones, James Conner, Malcolm Brown. Let's see, who are some other notable ones here? Damian and Daryl Williams, J.D. McKissick, although McKissick is expected to go back to Washington. We'll see on that front. Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Matt Breda, Peyton Barber, Jarek McKinnon, Alex Collins, Duke Johnson, Boston Scott. There's a lot of free agents running back this year. Chase Edmonds. Yeah, Chase the, Edmonds is a those guys towards the bottom are going to have a job. <laughs> wow, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, someone can make that plunge for the next consecutive yeah, time. Knows. So the actual. Hey, I have a question for you. Okay, I have a me. question for you. Hit me. How? Give me your over under and how many weeks or shows it's going to take for you to transition from the footballs to the commanders. I'm usually pretty good with this stuff, and I can continue to Are call you? him the football, them the footballs, because you know people know who I'm talking about, and that wasn't even their name anyway. So it, it all kind of works <laughs> out for me. That's good. Yeah, that is actually kind of like a nickname, so to speak, that you gave them. So yeah, that's true. Let's go to your 1-10 to 10 half point PPR for the 2022 fantasy football season. You have Jonathan Taylor at number one, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, Austin Eckler. That's the top five. Najee Harris at number six, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Javante Williams, and the commander's own, Antonio Gibson. Looking back <laughs> at last year, half point PPR, points per game at running back. Here were the top 10 scores. Jonathan Taylor... Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, James Conner. Those were the top five running backs, points per game, half-point PPR. Then we have Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, Cordero Patterson, Antonio Gibson. Actually, sorry, I missed Zeke. Zeke was actually number six and played all 17 games Touchdowns. last year. I know, I, I understand yeah. why. It's just when people think of the season that Ezekiel Elliott had, they're like, oh, he was kind of garbage. Like, no, he was sixth point per game in half-point PPR, <laughs> and he played every game. I think that's the biggest key, too, is what you just said. It's the points per game. It's not just he played every game and pulled the Frank Gore where it's like by attrition and the fact that you played every game, you finish inside the top 15, top 20 like Frank Gore used to do. But it's the fact that it was the points per game. But, yes, it's very touchdown reliant. Not that that's really going to go anywhere, but you could see a bigger split starting now, as we've even seen. And the touchdown variance, I'm just not going to bank 
on double digit touchdowns any given year. That's, and this isn't to victory lap, even though it kind of is because uh, that's all I do. Everybody is, but Aaron Jones was the biggest thing as I always said about him. It's like, I love Aaron Jones on a per touch basis, but also if the touchdown variance just offsets a little bit and the touches come to AJ Dillon's side a little bit. I mean, it wasn't just a drop back. It was a huge drop back for Aaron Jones. So what happens next year if Zeke gets seven or eight, which is still a very good running back rushing number at touchdown. Uh, I just think that that's, that's a scary number, but it is crazy to see it, that he was that high. I don't even think he's inside my top 20, is he? No, he's outside my top 20, but that's where we haven't gotten to that yet. Aaron Jones was 12th in points per game, if people need to know. That was over 15 games. Nick Chubb. He was third was, was in number, 2020? Yeah. I mean, boy, he had those like two, four touchdown games. That's always going to increase yeah. your total <laughs> yeah. just a little bit. So is when you think about this in terms of tiers, like what is the chance? Like, yeah. I, I, let's just start with Christian McCaffrey because there's going to be two yep. subsets of people. I think when drafts come around, it's going to be, I'm never taking that bum. He's injured every <laughs> single year and he's screwed me the past two years with the first overall pick. Then you're going to have the Pat Mayo's of the world being like, if I have the first pick, I'm probably going to take Christian McCaffrey because if he's right, he wins you your league. Well, and that's the biggest thing. So there's a couple of ways to look at it. I understand that people, like, we always get those every single year, even after one disappointment. Go back to Julio Jones when he only caught three touchdowns that one year. I'm never drafting Julio Jones ever again. He didn't score touchdowns. So we go, we always get that. But the difference that I was going to pull into this conversation, and we haven't talked about Barkley yet, but if you look at it, is the difference when Barkley twisted his ankle and came back, it was like, what is he? He's even 90%. Dan D Duggan for the, uh, the Athletic was saying that his second gear wasn't even there yet. And like a lot of those tackles that he got, he's normally missing because he's already in his second gear. When Christian McCaffrey was healthy, he was 100% Christian McCaffrey. And it wasn't just, okay, he's 100% version of this Christian McCaffrey. He was still the Christian McCaffrey from two years ago, putting up 30 fancy points per game at 25 to 30 every single week. I think his worst game was like 14 or 15, if I remember correctly. But that's the thing is he was still Christian McCaffrey. I understand it. I understand people are scared of it, but... The reason you draft that way and the reason I will is the same thing that we talked about, you and I. Go back to the Le'Veon Bell suspension season. You and I sat on your show. You brought it up. I agreed with you and said, I'll still take Le'Veon Bell first, second, third, because you know what? Those four games where I replace him with somebody, because you're not replacing him with a zero, is you replace him with somebody, I'm still going to end up with the RB1. And you did. You ended up with the RB1 because he was RB1 in points per game. And even with those missed games, he finished RB3, even with four missed games. So that's what I'm saying about Christian McCaffrey. I, I'm not I'm not guaranteeing he gets 16, 17 games. But if he gets 12 or 13, he's probably going to finish inside the top five and he'll be number one in points per game. But I understand if you don't want to take that risk, but I, I'm willing to do it. I, I, do you think that Jonathan Taylor is going to end up being the consensus number one, like come late August? Yes. Yeah, I think so yes. too. Uh, yeah, I would I would almost, if like there was like a Vegas odds and you can, you can put on like who's the consensus number one in fantasy, it would be Jonathan Taylor, no question. I think you could see some people in the thinking that we're having and saying, you know what, if I'm going to win my league, Christian McCaffrey, if he plays 16 games, is just going to blow away the field like he did two years ago. Well, now three years ago at that time. Uh, I'll see some people probably want to make the argument for Derrick Henry, but I feel like just coming off the injury and now the workload is, by the way, a lot of people don't realize that's somebody on the age-wise is getting up there. He's 28 years old all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but people kind of forget that first year was a throwaway and that he really wasn't hitting until that third year. Um, but I can see some arguments for them. 
I don't think Cook is going to get into the conversation. And then after that, we're in a hole to say where you're going with this to lead into this with this t- a complete different tier. I think there's a conversation for these three, and then that's it. I misspoke earlier when I said I gave you the leaders in points per game. That was the leaders in total overall points. In points per game, the running back leaders this year were Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Elvin Kamara in 13 games, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and then Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook. Those were all the players who averaged more than 14 fantasy points per game in half-point PPR. And the funny thing about Christian McCaffrey is he averaged 15.6 fantasy points per game, and he left two of those games exceptionally early. <laughs> yes. And that was the, like, that was one of the games. And he still scored like 13. I, I, I'm going to pull it up. Wasn't it 13 or 14 points he still scored in that one game before he left? There was the Texans, I'm gonna look real there was the Texans game on the Thursday night when he got hurt. And then but that was I the super early one. I think the other one was against Arizona. Maybe when Cam came back that game. Oh no, it was, it was Miami. Miami. That was that. Oh, so both both of those he didn't hit double digits. He didn't hit double digits. Uh, it was the other. Lo- oh, okay, it's 23, 22, 21. The thirteen point game was against New England. His first game back when he only had fourteen carries. Okay, interesting. It was interesting stuff with Christian McCaffrey. So I, I think that you're right. That's going to be like the three way headed monster at the top. And that doesn't mean the other guys like. Let's say that Pittsburgh goes, improves its quarterback situation, improves its offensive line. Like, why shouldn't Najee Harris be in the consideration for number one? Uh, he should be in the conversation if they make, you know, I still said, you know where I said Deshaun Watson was going. I was saying Pittsburgh, and now they brought in Brian Flores, too. Like, some dots connecting there. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but to bring up, to answer your question, if Desh- if a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, if they approve the quarterback position and don't go into the season with Mason Rudolph, if they bring in Watson, I mean, maybe even Garoppolo, although I don't want to get that excited about it, but a competent quarterback and another year, you could say I would probably, if right now quarterback X for the Steelers is at least Garoppolo or better, I'd put him at four in front of Dalvin Cook because of the workload, because we just proved what we talked about this past offseason. Don't overrate offensive line when it comes to running backs. Rate the offense and the ability to score. And that's why. If it is Mason Rudolph, this might even be a little bit higher for Najee Harris because similar to Barkley, even when he was healthy, what the offense, the Giants offense does to pull down Barkley, it would probably have that same effect to Najee Harris. So I think a lot of Najee Harris, I kind of saddled in the middle here, is it really comes down to who is the quarterback on week one. You have Javante Williams at number nine in these rankings. Yeah. Obviously, that's the assumption that Melvin Gordon is not going to be back. If we just go into the season in Denver, I guess a lot of this has to do with the quarterback, too. Like, if it's Drew Locke, that's one thing. If it's Aaron Rodgers, that's another thing. Although, <laughs> the running backs can prosper regardless of who it's going to be. But do you see them going into a situation where it's only Javante Williams and he is a workhorse. Obviously, the way you've ranked him, you have him that way, but we're just dealing with the circumstances that are in place right now. You don't think they bring in anyone else, and maybe they're just committed to running this 60-40 backfield. No, actually, so this is, I have them ranked, I have him ranked as in, I am assuming somebody else is there, not okay. the Melvin Gordon 50, yeah, not the Melvin Gordon 50-50 split, but somebody else to potentially like, and not Mike Boone, because I think Boone's even potentially a free agent, I don't remember, but I think you see them bringing in somebody else. You mentioned Chase Edmonds earlier and even like a healthy Chase Edmonds where it is a 70-30 or 65-35. If 
they draft somebody in the fourth or fifth round and that's their answer and they do nothing else. Or if they go through the draft, wait for free, like wait for free agency, go through the draft and then down the road, pick somebody else up just as a depth option. Like the giants did with Devonta Booker. Then I would even push Javante Williams higher. I don't think this is the ceiling for Javante Williams at nine uh, dynasty. I have Javante Williams as I think the fourth or fifth running back, uh, because I think you're looking at somebody who's potentially last year's Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor, even with Naheem Hines sprinkled in and then Mac for a little bit of time and everybody else sprinkled it. It was still the Jonathan Taylor show. And I think that's what we're looking at with Javante Williams. Hell, let alone if they got Aaron Rodgers or a better quarterback. So yes, I ranked as if there's going to be somebody sharing, not the level of Melvin Gordon. And I think Williams could push higher. You tell me, Williams, you tell me the scenario I just said where the quarterback's better. They don't really do much in free agency or the draft. I would say Javante Williams is up there with Najee Harris. And then if Najee Harris does have Mason Rudolph and Javante Williams does have a better quarterback, then Javante could even jump him. That's how good he is. Looking at the rankings right now, you have Joe Mixon at number eight. I think that's fine. Uh, As long as he stays healthy, that's probably where he's going to finish. Kamara at seven is super Mm. interesting because if they get some competent quarterback play, he ends up healthy. Although he has these, I don't know, he and Delvin Cook both have like weird off the field stuff, legal stuff that's been going on. And I have no idea what the status of that is right now. I'm guessing it's not going to affect them heading into the year, but what can you give me a re like if we were trying to we try to go through this exercise every year and we'll really hammer down onto it when it comes to july and august and everything like that but if we're making a case for these guys to be the number one running back in fantasy almost like the exercise that we did with jalen hurts last offseason like when we're going down the list it's like can you forge a path where these guys are number one can you or can't you you can with alvin kamara it just, the circumstances need to be right for him. He needs to get back to his pass-catching role. I really do think it depends on the quarterback that they bring in. If it's Taysom Hill, no, it's, it's not going to be Alvin Kamara. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, it could be Alvin Kamara. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. I think if they bring back Winston, I, more likely than it would be with Hill, but I still don't, I wouldn't put it as a likelihood for one. Uh, this is the saints are just a giant mess uh, to give you another article over the athletic they were at the right one how they can save a hundred million dollars because they are a hundred million dollars over the cap uh, this is a ridiculous situation and you can kind of see why sean payton and like the rest were just kind of like yeah okay we're, we're, we're done here uh but the camaro would need a lot to go right here he's another one where are they going to bring in somebody like a Melvin Gordon situation, like the Mark Ingram and split more? Uh, hell, what, what, it, Mark, it, Melvin Gordon could that, that could be a situation where he lands to oh get that kind of role with the Latavius. I know the Latavius Murray type of role behind Camara, but if they continue to do that, then we know it's the Camara we've known and it comes down to the offense. And really what it comes down to is without Drew Brees, I don't think most quarterbacks are going to live up to what they can do for Alvin Camara. So, I would say a path to number one. I think that might be done. Uh, I'd say a path to the top of that next tier with Cook and Eckler and Harris. Sure. Uh, But I kind of think his time is done just because of the state of the Saints. And you just don't have Drew Brees anymore. You need that. I mean, if you could bring back Phillip Rivers and how much he loves to throw to running backs. Yeah, we could get right back there. But I just don't think there's that many quarterbacks anymore where he's that kind of focal point, especially, and we're not talking wide receivers on this show, but the Michael Thomas situation. He's apparently, all reports as of today is he's coming back and they're not looking to trade him. 
you're just taking away more of the target share from having that there. And then whether or not they add somebody in free agency, like uh, so there's just a very tough path to him get back to the number one. I actually don't think that Michael Thomas does take away from Elvin Kamara's target share solely because having another good player on the field in the receiving game should only help Elvin Kamara going forward. If, <laughs> like we saw, we saw this Drew Brees. If, sure, if, if it, it wasn't Taysom sure, Hill and James Winston, Brees, but all you need to do with the saints right now is like, Oh, we need to stop that guy. And, and we're, good now he's now there's yeah, two guys and i understand no, no no i understand that and this is the kind of like this is the the chicken and the egg argument we kind of do this every single year is like well another weapon will just help him alleviate alleviate the coverage and then it's well you still have to factor in the target share and where i'm going with this is like yes you're you're, you're right in the one side of it but i disagree on the other side because Thomas is going to command 20 plus percent, whoever the quarterback is. And if it's Winston, if it's anybody of like that ilk, and it's not somebody who's going to check down more again, this, the quarterback situation could change. They could be forced into finding the best option. Hell, what if they have to go into next year with somebody like Drew Locke? But what if Teddy Bridgewater's there and you get somebody who does have a lower a dot and does throw down to the running backs more. It's really going to depend on that. And the preferential like target share workload for the quarterback so to go back like to why i brought up philip rivers because i wrote an article about that and said you know these are the top 10 that target the running backs these are the ones that barely ever do it and it was actually spurred from the drew Brees situation is if you get somebody who only throws to running backs nine ten percent of the time jared goff used to only throw like five percent of the time four percent of the time if you have stuff like that it doesn't matter that Michael Thomas is going to alleviate coverage because they're still not throwing to the running back. And you go from a five, four percent of what his targets are. And now you have Michael Thomas back and that's where he likes to go. So that's why I'm saying Jameis Winston is going to like to go to Michael Thomas and Trey Quan and whoever Marquez Callaway. And that's my concern. I don't see them bringing back Jameis. I really don't. I think he ends up in Indianapolis, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of situations. I think James deserves to be starting somewhere. Agreed. He showed like he showed his ability to adapt and change to the NFL, what they wanted him to do. Granted, for fantasy purposes, it kind of hurt him a little bit because some of that aggressiveness was lost, which lost some of the big plays and the touchdowns and stuff like that. But I don't I don't know that they'll they have much of an option. I think it's going to depend on how much his market value is set at, because, again, they're playing with nickels and dimes out here trying to build a roster. I mean, I think that you could see a situation like Cam, but Cam with the beginning of the season, if that would have happened, where Jameis might say, this is my only and best shot. I'll just stay here. Like, it comes down to him. Does, does he think he can get more elsewhere? I think there are enough teams that are in this, like, weird QB cycle right now that think they're contenders for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson. That's going to be the fallback. Once they figure out that they're not actually in those markets, then Jameis ends up becoming the starter for that You team. know what's going to happen? What? The Colts are going to cut Wentz, and then the, the Saints are going to have to go get Wentz. <laughs> I mean, that would be good for Alvin Kamara. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, there's your scenario to help help Kamara get back to that top tier. Well, I mean, what you talked about the lack of checkdown receptions for Elvin Kamara, but he is going to run routes. We know he's going to line up for receivers some of the time too. And we think about like overall market share, and maybe this is just a huge boost to Michael Thomas. But if Michael Thomas is back, then we're not getting the collected twenty percent market share of targets for Kenny Stills and Deontay Harris and Traquan Smith and Little Jordan Humphrey. Like Callaway and Smith will probably still be in the mix if Smith comes back. But then you just insert in Michael Thomas. And like these guys are afterthoughts again. Right, but it siphons off from everybody. It's it's not like it's going to siphon off from everybody but Camara. 
It might, though, because those are two, like you mentioned, those are two completely different types of routes. I, I want to get off of uh, sure, but for a second. Different different quarterbacks is, is what it comes down to. I, I sure. agree, but disagree, because it, it, it really comes down to who's the quarterback. Well, I mean, if you play every angle, Jake, then you can't be wrong, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would go Eckler and Harris over Delvin Cook. I, I think that their roles, we know what the Eckler role is. That's fantastic news. He played through injury. He missed a game because of COVID. He was still, he almost did lead all running backs in fantasy points per game. Uh, a lot of it was touchdown base, obviously. But even if you removed his touchdowns, he would still be inside the top 15 if you gave him zero touchdowns. So that's the type of player that I want. I think that overall, I mean, Najee, it's a worse situation. I don't know what's going on in Minnesota. Obviously, their offensive line isn't very good. Uh, maybe you know an influx right. of new ideas at the head coaching position could really open up Dalvin Cook. Or it could be like, hey, why don't we do like a thunder and lightning with Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook to keep these guys fresh? Because <laughs> Dalvin Cook gets well, hurt every single year. <laughs> so it also comes down to the go back to the touchdown conversation. Dalvin Cook is the epitome of the touchdown variance going the opposite direction, you know, double digits in the teens, the two years before that coming off 19. And then I think it was 21 or 22 points per game for Dalvin cook, like ridiculous numbers that were in front of what even what Austin Eckler just did. But then this year, I think it was six and zero as in zero receiving, which isn't a big deal for how Dalvin cook plays, but the six was the big difference here. So if the variance gets back to a norm where in his role, 10 or 11 double-digit touchdowns, that's not absurd to think of. That's going to boost him right back up to this tier. So I'm not saying you're wrong. And I, you know, when we have this conversation, even with the people in the comment over at The Athletic and say like, well, I can't believe you ranked Cook at four and Kamara at seven. And like, it's 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 the tier. Like you, you if you want to take one or the other, that's fine. We're like not really kind of like nitpicking here. We are for your show's purposes to kind of break down how these guys fall into next year. But if you really want to take Eckler over Cook, I'm not, I'm I wouldn't even argue with you. I would just say fine. Like there wouldn't even be a worthy argument to even push back on if you know Najee Harris does get Deshaun Watson. I already told you I'd put Harris in front of him. So. The, the only one I have the biggest concern about, and he would probably not fall into this tier. Like, if we're doing tiers, it'd be Cook, Eckler, Harris, Kamara for me. And Mixon would start the next one. I would say Mixon, um, mostly with, with, with the way that you have your rankings, it feels like Mixon's by himself on his own tier here. I could, you know what? I could see that. I was going to say Mixon, Williams, Gibson. Like, they, I know it's small, and we usually do, I say we, you and I both, we usually do a little bit bigger tiers. I hate making tiers so small. But for me, I kind of feel like Mixon, Williams, and Gibson have their own group because then Chubb gets into the conversation. I know we're not there yet, but Chubb gets in the conversation of, you know, how much does he lose in the past game all the time? Barkley, and now all the other names. Okay, and why, why, why is Barkley? Okay, well, let's go 11 to 20 so people can see what we're talking about okay. up on the screen here. You have Chubb at 11, Barkley at number 12. I don't know what you're smoking, but I, I need some. Send that up to me. Elijah Mitchell, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Michael Hurricane, Carter. David Montgomery, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, and Leonard Fournette. We don't even know if Leonard Fournette's going to be back in Tampa, what the injury status yeah, of J.K. Dobbins is right now. But these are the assumptions that we're making that these guys are on these teams when it comes around. No chance Barkley is number 12. Give me a break. So uh, 100%. There's a couple factors here with Barkley. And that, this that, that, going that, you with that you named your dog after him, so he has to be number 12? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if that was the case, I put him at five. <laughs> I put him at four, sort of that top tier. Uh, really, what it comes down to is 
The couple factors at play is, and what I was going to say is I'm not even including the fact that they will. They will address this offensive line in the draft. Uh, there's even talks that they could hit both the first round picks or potentially trade down with the second one and get two offensive linemen in the first round. The offensive line is going to improve, but let's just throw that aside. I don't even care about that right now. You know I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. However, there is a vast difference between even broken Daniel Jones and the mess that they've thrown at quarterback. So the quarterback situation should be better. But let's even throw that aside for the big factor here is we talked, you and I, I did on my podcast, I did on multiple podcasts. I said last year I will take Barkley at the end of the first round for the value early second round because of what I expect him to be come October. I said that time and time again. We saw Barkley get back to being Barkley at the end of September. Every outlet, every person everywhere was saying, oh, my God, Barkley looks like he's back to being Barkley. And the very next game, he steps on dude's ankle and twists his own ankle and is basically nothing for the rest of the season. And I want to bring that in also because Inside Injuries, who covered it, said that Saquon Barkley might not even be 100% Saquon Barkley till late in the year. And if you're drafting him, think about him for 2022. And that's where I referenced the Dan Duggan thing earlier is he said that second gear after he twisted his ankle just wasn't there. The old Saquon Barkley before they get tackled at the ankles or knees was already hitting the second gear and getting away from those defenders. That's why it's similar to Christian McCaffrey, but it's not quite Christian McCaffrey because he did twist his ankle. It wasn't hundred percent down the stretch. And then also on top of it, as crazy as it sounds as of today, you would take the Panthers offense over the Giants offense. So that's what it comes down to. Saquon Barkley, of anybody in this group, and this has nothing to do, you know I love to crap on the Giants more than anybody. This has nothing to do with being Homer because I know you referenced my dog, and for anybody that doesn't know me, might be like, oh, he's just a Homer. I love to poo-poo the Giants. Saquon Barkley has the higher ceiling than anybody. You want to make the case for Kamara being number one? I don't think there's a number one scenario because I still don't believe in Daniel Jones. But anybody after Alvin Kamara that could finish top five, Saquon Barkley still has it in him because we started to see that at the end of September last year. I don't know about that. I could foster a case where Michael Carter is a much better player than Saquon Barkley this year. If we want to do the battle of New York running backs. And I'm not going to disagree. I mean, if you're looking at early consensus, which I defer, people don't update all the time. Don't get too hung up on consensus right now, but I have, you mentioned it. I have Michael Carter at 16, which early consensus is 10 over everybody. The consensus. 10 over? Really? I can see. Oh, a, I see. I, haven't yeah. looked, I don't look at anyone's rankings. Everyone knows this. I like to talk through yours, you know, or yeah. I like to make mine independently and then throw it out there into the world and see where I'm off with a lot of people and we talk through it. I think if I was doing these, I'd have Michael Carter probably at like 12 or 13. I loved what I saw from Michael Carter. I mean, I'm no hacksaw Dan Duggan doing my second gear analogies <laughs> over here, but if that can be his backfield, which it seemed like it would be once he was healthy yes. and Zach Wilson is healthy. Not that I love Zach Wilson, but he, he did get better at throwing a three foot pass towards the end of the year. So that was really encouraging news for him. But just like <laughs> in, in terms of being explosive, Michael Carter was explosive uh, and their offensive line was banged up most of the time. It's not like they were leading in games so they could constantly sure. run the ball, but you give him like a 70% snap share. He's a top 10 guy. I think he could outscore Javante Williams too, because that could be a better path for fantasy points. The touchdowns might not come around and it does depend on who the quarterback is going to be but i think that those two guys as they've always been linked together for obvious reasons i think that you can link them back together again i could see them both on the same sort of tier here 
I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking to my heart here. You know how I feel about Michael Carter. You know, we did the show last year. We did rookies and all that type of stuff. You know my love for him. So I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask you a question, Pat. What's the difference between DeAndre Swift and Michael Carter? It does feel like uh, Tarzan Dan Campbell does not scare to be like, hey, we're just going to use four running backs. And so that was going to be the answer is nothing except he's actually in a better situation. That being Michael Carter. I agree with you. I actually think that, and you're talking about a team with draft capital. Go back to the Giants. Actually, the Jets draft capital is ridiculous. Yeah, but, 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 the but, team. but they're shitty and they're going to do something <laughs> stupid. That's what they, they're the Jets. That, you know what? For the past two years, they really haven't. It's, oh, yeah. Just, and and, they, they, and get... they, you know what they did? They had the third overall pick and picked like the worst quarterback in the draft. Congratulations. What well, are we I mean, doing? You, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about that. Uh, so that aside, I mean, look, look, let's go back to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns had draft capital and it took years. And what did we do at that time? It was like, oh, it's the Browns. They're screwing this up anyway. And yeah, they did screw it up take, because they, they took the wrong guy. <laughs> But hey, but they got to be in a playoff contending team. I'm not saying like I just I just did my show yesterday with Jeff Ratcliffe. And I said, if everybody's looking for next year's Bengals, I am not saying the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, my I'm God. Not saying you the said Jets... like Tim Andercast. No, I'm not saying the Jets are even going to win that division. But if you're looking for a team that goes from top five draft pick to to playoff contender. I'll give them that. I would to your battles of New York's New Jersey's. I would take the Jets to do that before I took the Giants. That's where I'm in agreement with you because I agree that Michael Carter, scenario wise, offense wise, team wise, you could argue is in a better situation than Saquon Barkley right now. I would agree, and I would rank him over Saquon Barkley. Chubb is just going to be 11. I think that's the perfect spot for him. It's just <laughs> it, it, unless even if Kareem Hunt dies, and then Dearness Johnson's going to step in and it just play matter. that role. It doesn't matter unless there's like no it's other so running backs weird. on earth. Then Nick Chubb will get his 85% of the touches, carries, and snaps. If that's not going to be the case, He's, it doesn't matter who the other guy it. is. It could be what was the guy's name? Demerick Felton. That guy's going to play 50% of the Demetric. snaps. Demetric Felton. <laughs> Demetric. And like so. Oh wait, 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 wait. I want to bring this up because I don't know if we did it on your show or not. We talked about it, but I remember because I pulled it up because I talked about it in the waiver article at the time. Is Nick Chubb when Kareem Hunt went down? His snap and touch share did not change. When he went down, Dearness Johnson got 80%. And I just remember thinking, what the, f like, why weren't you doing that with Nick? Why are you so insistent on Nick Chubb never getting to 75, 80% of the touches? Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it, for whatever reason, Stefanski sees him as the power back. We can't use him in the receiving game. Although it's funny, when they do use him in the receiving game, it's, legitimately so sneaky it goes for like 40 yards like they ran out there, there was, <laughs> so that's what it, it, it was, was derrick henry <laughs> yeah like what but it was it well i mean with derrick henry like three times a year they'll throw him like a dedicated actual out of the backfield screen pass but he did get more dump oh, and, this season like in actual term planned passing plays to derrick henry they're few and far between at least with chubb like once every three work. games like i think it was week 16 or week 17 whatever that game was he's just running a re wheel route there's legit no one around him for 20 yards like they're like they're not throwing <laughs> what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what that game it was it was week 16 against green bay when he had three for 58 with yeah. that one really big play it's just yeah like oh hey yeah maybe we should cover that guy well they never throw to him anyway by the way you made me think but if i was a cornerback in the nfl 
And I saw a design screen for Derrick Henry. I'd be like, screw it. Yeah. Dude, I don't even care. Yeah, like, can, I call, can I call a timeout mid-play? I'm just going to walk <laughs> off here to the sidelines. We can we can sub on a defensive lineman to come play safety. There or is like no that. way. <laughs> Derrick Henry with 10 yards or run to get started? <laughs> screw that. I will quit on the spot. So when we think overall, there are two things actually I want to hit on here. One is uh, I just saw a lot of discourse about the tweet of you have two poll options. One is you could have a running back average 15 points a game and he plays all 17 games. Or you have a running back who averages 25 points a game, but you only have him for the eight weeks to start the season. Mm. Which player do you want? And the obvious answer is the guy averaging 25 points a game for the first yes. eight weeks. Yes. Figure it out later. But I, I was astonished. Astonished by the amount of pushback. Like basically, you wanted to draft Frank Gore with with and that's <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And, and, not, and, and, not, and, and, and not San Francisco Frank Gore, like the Jets Frank Gore, the Bills Frank yeah. Gore. hundred <laughs> percent. And if you want to say half point PPR for people out there, say twelve or thirteen points per game to give you a better idea, because people will look at the number you threw out earlier with Austin Eckler. And you're like, well, look at how many running backs even had 15 points per game. So drop it down a little bit for half point PPR. But the point being is the same. It's the Le'Veon Bell argument that we were talking about earlier. It's what we're talking about with Frank Gore. You can find running backs. And I, you know what? I, I would think to go back to that poll, though, if I, I think if you would have skewed the poll and said the back eight games versus the first eight, I think you might have seen the numbers closer because I think a lot yeah. of people are thinking about the chase in week 11, 12, 13, where we're chasing Samaj P. Rhines of the Worlds and last year, Savan Ahmed's and all, well, now two years ago, depending on when you're watching this. But like, that's what everybody's fresh in their mind. They're like, oh my God, I can't even find a second running back in week 14 to start for my fantasy team. Of course, I would take a guy scoring 15 points. I think if you flipped it instead of the beginning of the season, I think if people would have come around a little bit easier. But again, you and I have made that argument for years. I think you were the first person to ever, at my recollection, do like a lot of podcasts with different people who really took that stance and was arguing it hard before anybody else was making it, saying like, I don't give a bleep if you don't, like I only get 10 games, I'm going to take the 20 points per game because I'll figure it out otherwise. And yeah. I remember you, like that, like that was one of our first years ever doing your show. Yeah, and it did correlate with the Le'Veon Bell situation because we just didn't know. And then I think he was suspended for the four games. Like just, especially... I mean, it is a completely different scenario if it happens for the, like, you miss the first eight games and you get the final nine games of the season. I mean, especially with no bye weeks to start things off, like, there's plenty of players that you can pick up early in the season to fill that void, and you'd have them in crunch time. But obviously, you're not going to know that. A running back averaging 15 fantasy points per game would have averaged the 10th most fantasy points per game. No one is saying that that's a bad player. What I think that people are missing here is that 25 fantasy points a game basically wins you every week. 25 fantasy points per game for everybody that doesn't know is even more than Jonathan Taylor had last year. 25 fantasy it's, points it's, per game it's, is the Christian. It's 4.2 points more per game than Jonathan Taylor scored last <laughs> I was year. Say, I say it's Christian McCaffrey. It's Christian McCaffrey back when Christian McCaffrey was at Saquon Barkley's rookie season. It's uh, the Danian Thomason's seasons. Like those are the no, kind no, of numbers. I, like I, 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 kind of, I think LT I mean, was at like 30 points per game. He was so good that one year. <laughs> was he that? I don't know. Was he that? I think I was going to say 28 would have been my guess. I don't know. What year was that last year? I'm going to see if I can pull it up. Was it 2003 ish? Somewhere around there. Oh, here, look at that. Oh, that was nice to be able to find real. No, quick it was 2005 it was, or 2006. 2006. 2006 was the peak year. 27.9. Yes. Point one off. Like, that's what we're dealing with here. A guy who scored, what, 32 touchdowns? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's the part <laughs> of that. Oh, wait. Well, it was special teams. So, yeah. 32. Was it special teams? Because I, I, there was a I game th- where he threw. I, I just remember that I had uh, Tomlinson. throw. And, I had Tomlinson and Gates that year. And Tomlinson threw it to Gates for a touchdown in like week 11 or that's something. That's what it was. It was a throw. <laughs> so I knew it was something different because he had 28 rushing and three receiving. So, yeah, <laughs> missed the 32 touchdowns. Yeah. Like in 2020, the best <laughs> running back was Kamara. He averaged 22.4 points a game that's the part that people are missing here is how much 25 points per game is what was the tweet about was it a, who was it about was it about Mc, it was about mccaffrey no or was it about I, Derek I, Henry? I, I mean i don't even remember who tweeted it out i just remember i saw jj talking about it that's how like it kind of appeared to me and jj was like you people are morons and like the pushback i mean jj is much nicer than me that's how like i would have said it and how i am saying it now he was far more diplomatic about the entire thing but he was kind of astonished at what the results of this poll ended up being i think it was just like a blind like would you want player a would you want player b it wasn't about anyone specifically but I think McCaffrey, yes, or, okay. McCaffrey, or even this Derrick Henry season, like Derrick Henry scored almost two points more than Jonathan Taylor on a per game basis. Yes, if you had lucked into Jonathan Taylor, you would have wanted him all season long. But that's a guy who's averaging twenty one points a game, not fifteen right. points a game. If we kind of circle back to that entire logic, now we're looking at: Would you have rather had Derrick Henry plus replacement? Because I think Derrick Henry only played the eight games. He played, let's see, yeah, he played eight games yep, eight, and he averaged eight. 23 fantasy points per game. <laughs> you could have had that or Ezekiel Elliott, who averaged 13.5. You tell me, Ezekiel Elliott owner, who would you have rather had? Guy who no longer ever wants to draft Ezekiel Elliott again, who I just told you came sixth <laughs> in overall fantasy points. <laughs> who I'm pretty sure, if I remember down the stretch, a lot of people were not either in their playoffs or <laughs> kind of got kicked out of the championship game. I'm looking right. Yep. Because he had single digits in week 11, 13, 14, and then 15 and 17 against the Giants in Washington, and then week 17 for the championship, a robust 3.5 against the Cardinals. Yes, I'm pretty sure most Zeke fans out there, well, not fans, managers are on the, I'll take the Derrick Henry and figure out the other guy. Yeah, imagine if you picked up uh, Elijah Penny, or Rashad Penny, sorry, with four weeks to go. You, you, probably, <laughs> didn't want to, you probably didn't want Elijah Penny. Put it that way. No, no. <laughs> but if you took Elijah Mitchell or Rashad Penny together, now, now that now you really got something. Yeah, now, now you're cooking with gas. But you could have just legit picked up Rashad Penny in week 14 and then won your that league. Was so much fun. Good for Rashad Penny. Good for him to get some made, money after he made himself so much years. fun. And you know he's going to be hurt by the time the season starts next year too. <laughs> he's going to sign with. Oh, who's the biggest jabroni team going that needs a running back? That would, I can see, you know, that would be the, that would be the perfect Michael Carter situation. The Jets will be like, we have so much cap space. Let's sign Rashad Penny to oh, $80 million. Dollars. To but, but then no one will want to draft Michael Carter, but then Penny will just be hurt by oh, week okay. one. So then you'll want Carter again. I like that. I like it a lot, actually. I was thinking like Arizona because they got both Connor and Edmonds out. And I think that's with the Penny situation. He's probably going to go into a timeshare. So no, nobody signed him to be the only guy, given his history. Obviously, you can go to theathletic.com and find all of Jake's ranks. I want to quickly plow through 21 to 30 to get those out there into the ether so people can see them up on the show. You know what? I'll do 21 to 40 so people, can, so people can see the entire ranks because I don't want to talk about every single one of these guys, but there is one specific topic about running backs I do want to hammer home here. So number 21 is Aaron Jones. We talked about it a little bit earlier. The aforementioned Ezekiel Elliott is there as well at number 22. Damian Harris, Devin Singletary, Clyde Edwards-Elaire – 
AJ Dylon, Hot Fire, James Conner, Miles Sanders, Travis Etienne Jr., Tony Pollard <laughs> at number 30, Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, Chase Edmonds, Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, the Trois, Rashad Penny, Ramondre Stevenson, Daryl Henderson Jr., Cordero Patterson, and Miles Gas. That bitch, Miles Gaskin. No, Carol Gaskin. <laughs> I don't want to call Miles Gaskin that. I want to call Carol Gaskin that. Did people get Tiger King right? Did you watch season two of Tiger King? It was bad. Uh, I never watched season one. Oh, come on, Jake. I thought you were an aficionado of pop, of pop culture. Uh, most pop culture, obviously, behind me. That was the only bit of pop culture that was new, like week three pandemic. That's all we had was Tiger King. <laughs> I released a show I was, reviewing I it, and it got like 100,000 downloads. I, I I don't remember why I didn't get into it. I just I feel like I found out about it after a couple of weeks. I don't know what else I was watching or doing at the time. I mean, I think I was catching up on something I had never watched, and that's what it was. But I don't remember. And then by the midpoint, I saw I, I, it. Kind of felt like to me like I would be, you know, the boomer jumping in on the cool thing, trying to be like the kids. And I was like, at this point, I, it's too late because it was like episode four or five, and it's just like I feel like I'd just be following the crowd, and I look like a jabroni trying to follow everybody else. And so I just read the synopsis, synops, synopses, synopsi. Whatever. I just read up on it. Uh, but So I know about it, but I never watched it. I might have to retire that Miles Gaskin reference because now it's just going to sound super offensive to Miles Gaskin instead of anyone actually getting the reference. So I'm going to store that <laughs> one away of do not do anymore. Because you even hear it come out. Like, when people knew what I was talking about, that was one thing. Now that people don't know, it's not going to turn out well for old Pat Mayo. <laughs> Dead zone. Running backs is the last mm -hmm. thing that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because I made this mistake. I'm... Everyone tried to talk me out of Mike Davis last year. I was like, man, just look at the potential opportunity for Mike Davis. And you know what? He got the opportunity. He just sucked. Uh, and I've made well, this mistake before. Like, and when we talk about dead zone running back, I'm thinking late third to end of fifth round running backs. Like that yes. range of running back is the dead zone. Thank just, you. Just unless you're reaching on a running back there who's normally going to like the eighth round, just don't take any of those guys. I, I'm glad you clarified that because I've seen a lot of arguments that people start to say it starts in the second round. And I'm like, get the F out of here. Uh, especially you can just look at last year, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, uh, Joe's three right there. There's a lot. And those aren't the only ones in the second round. Like the second round doesn't count. Even early third round doesn't count, especially with how many wide receivers are taken these days. I think it's more, if you looked at the tiers, like if we broke this down and I know you just breeze through the 21 through 40, but a lot of once you get into the mid-lower 20s of running backs, and honestly, this year, right now, I think the dead zone starts with Aaron Jones, potentially, because it, he, he and Zeke are kind of in similar situations, and you're looking at timeshare, timeshare, Damian Harris, timeshare, Devin Singletary. Is he really going to be the guy? Timeshare, timeshare, timeshare. This entire list is timeshares. Maybe ETN, depending on what the new coach does and with James Robinson coming off an injury as well, but it's just timeshare city here, and then... So I think it's kind of there where you could see it start even in the fourth round in some drafts. Maybe it does creep into the back end of the second round in some drafts, but it's this range. I was with you on Mike Davis. Uh, he didn't actually get there. Like my whole thing was like, hey, any running back getting 250 plus touches, potentially 275. I don't even care if he stinks. I'll take the volume similar to Frank Gore. The problem was he didn't even get that. He got about 200 because of Cordell Patterson and nobody saw that coming to the, well, to that level. Nobody saw that coming. 
Uh, but that's a perfect example because this, I'm assuming by the way you went through the rankings, this started with the Miles Gaskin reference. Is Gaskin was another one. Mike Davis was one. Leonard Fournette was the one outlier who hit because obviously his situation wasn't what anybody expected. There can be ones sure. you can find. Like it's probably well, like what would you say a 10 to 15% hit rate? So just wait till the fifth or sixth round to do it. Like David Montgomery was another one who hit in that range as well. Just he got hurt for part of the year, but he actually performed very right. well on a per game basis. But it, it doesn't really matter what the name is or who the player is. It's just running backs in that range versus the value of the tight end, wide receivers, and quarterbacks because that's how people draft. People want to overload on running backs. I'm not here to talk you out of drafting running backs early. Uh, I think in certain circumstances, going zero RB can work. In other circumstances, you can go two running backs to start and you'll be absolutely fine. Like not every draft is the same. Not every league is constructed in the same way. And obviously each team has different outcomes. Like we're not talking about best ball here. We're talking about like real fantasy. I don't want to say that's not real, but like your head to head weekly where you have to make moves and trades and pick up guys off the waiver wire. I do think having that, like having a stud running back is the most valuable thing that you can have in fantasy football. Finding one is probably the most difficult thing besides like a really good tight end <laughs> that you can get. So you need to get lucky at the same time where like this year, if we could talk about the number one pick overall, like are you going to take Cooper Cup number one overall? I probably wouldn't to tell you the truth. Right. Would you? Yeah. And I think that's what it comes. No. And that's why see, people kind of get hung up on that when I talk about the bell cow running back and the fact that, you know, bell cow doesn't necessarily mean 20 plus touches. We're talking fantasy bell cow is somebody that I can trust to get double digit scores pretty much every single week. And those are few and far between that. Like, they don't ever have a single digit game. But that's my point. That's why I usually say the first three rounds, 90 percent of the time, I'm going to come out with two running backs because this is why fourth round hits. I'm going wide receiver, fifth round wide receiver, sixth round wide receiver, maybe a tight end sprinkled in there, depending on how they fall. Maybe a quarterback really starts to slide and I take one like that. But whereas, you know, a lot of people start to attack the dead zone running backs because you said they want that second running back, but I've got that taken care of. And I know, yes, that usually means I don't get two alpha wide receivers, which, you know, everybody's going to reference last year. And if you pull the Cooper Cup and who was the other one that was kind of going in that range, like a Debo. Actually, I think Debo was going way later, but... Uh, maybe like a Cooper Cup, because I'm trying to think of somebody that went in front of Cooper Cup, but even like a Stefan Diggs who had a down year, quote unquote, uh, you get two of those and you just feel so great about what you're doing all, all year long. But I'd rather get one with my two running backs and then just go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide and have four wide receivers by the end of the sixth round. I would love that. And I think you can do that. So that's why. So I avoid the dead zone and I'm a I'm a go get running backs guy and I still avoid the dead zone. And it all depends on where the ADP ends up shaking out. Like we can say right now that both Miles Sanders, Aaron Jones, and Ezekiel Elliott end up in the dead zone, but you know, maybe people don't want Zeke at all. They think that Tony Pollard's going to be the guy and he starts going in the eighth round. Well, I'm going to take him in the eighth round. I'm just not going to take him in the end of the yes. third round. <laughs> right, right. A hundred percent. And that's what you look for. That's where the letter for net letter for net wasn't even in the fifth round. Letter for net went behind Ronald, Ronald Jones in ADP last year in the seventh or eighth round. So there's there's where you find the values yeah like i was trying to think about who those guys were for me last year uh it was damian harris damian harris raheem mostert who ended up getting hurt week one but he was going like the ninth round that i ended up D i ended up drafting a ton of debo in like the eighth and ninth round as well just because nice. i i mean i think it was either you and i or me or me and leone just had it out on the show we had the season-long bet debo versus iu and i was like debo's just better 
Like, I, he might get hurt, fine. But he's just, like, the only reason that Ayuk was good is because Debo got hurt. When Debo was there, it was I'm, all Debo I'm, all the time. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it was you and Leone because we had that same argument with Funston and Beller on our athletic show about Debo versus Ayuk. I mean, that, that's a great hairline show right there. <laughs> <laughs> I make up for it. Mine's, you mine's do. still really low in the I, road. I, I, I know, but you always wear the hat. So, I mean, anytime you see someone on camera wearing a hat, Jake... The default assumption is that you are a Baldwin. No. I was like, can you even... I've, I've not worn my hat before, like, on your show. I know. I, I listen. I know, I know you're not bald. <laughs> but just when people see the hat, they're like, oh, he must be incredibly bald. Like, so no, bald that it's, like, out ridiculous. There. <laughs> for everybody out there, we planned this show. What was it, Tuesday when you texted me? Yeah, and I'm legitimately sitting in my... Yeah, I'm sitting on my computer answering the rankings comments, and then Pat sends me the Zoom link, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I was I was actually gonna, yeah, I was gonna do my hair and everything today. <laughs> nah, you don't need. You're coming on the Pat Mayo experience. I'll do my hair, put on my makeup, and sit underneath the lights for all of us. You just show up, give us your analysis, and we'll be good to go. I did want to hit quarterbacks before we do get out of here and let you go on your way. Uh, so here are your quarterback rankings heading into the year. You have Josh Erlin at number one for the Buffalo Bills, if people didn't know a team that he played for. Mahomes, Herbert, Kyler, Lamar, Then Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott. After that, you got Lance, mm -hmm. Stafford, Wilson, Fields, Tannehill, Cousins, Lawrence, Winston, Mac Jones, and then Tua. <laughs> he is up there as well. So, I mean, we, I don't want to get too far into it. Is Trey Lance the Jalen Hurts of this year, or is Jalen Hurts again the Jalen Hurts of this year? <laughs> I think they're both the Jalen Hurts of this year. I actually think that, you know, Jalen Hurts, I know we're not talking dynasty, but yesterday with Jeff, I kept saying, like, I'm buying Jalen Hurts everywhere. He's going into his third year. This is what the points I was making next yesterday. His third year, essentially two and a half, his second and a half year. He's got one and a half years of really being the starter. And to be honest, this first year of being a starter, the offense wasn't designed for him. This is the second year of an offense being designed for him. And I brought all the comparisons up to say, it's Lamar Jackson. And I don't even think he has Lamar Jackson's ceiling. He's still, what, one, two, three, four, four spots behind Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that. And I still think Lamar Jackson, honestly, a better passer still. But it comes down to the comparisons is what we want for fantasy. You're going to give me a quarterback who's going to run seven, eight, nine hundred yards over the course of his season. Just be a mediocre passer. And if you look at his numbers last year, I think I said it on your show. I know I wrote it up when I called Jalen Hurts the breakout quarterback of fantasy. Of fantasy, to be clear, that's the that's the asterisk part. I should be or quotes whatever you want to say, but I said give him Daniel Jones' god awful 2020 passing numbers and Jalen Hurts' rushing numbers would have made him a top ten quarterback, and that's what we get. I don't I don't care that he's a terrible thrower, but he's also throwing to Devontae Smith in a rookie season who wasn't 100 percent for a good portion of the season, and is also mainly a deep threat for the NFL's purposes. And Jalen Rager, which might be one of the biggest busts in recent five years of wide receivers, who got passed by Quez Watkins, who at best should be a number three. Dallas Goddard was banged up again because Dallas Goddard is just banged up all the time. Uh, but you're looking at a team that's designed for him finally in another year. I think that Jalen Hurts could finish higher than when he is. But the comparison to Trey Lance is great because Trey Lance is very raw as a thrower. It's funny that all these people are now writing articles for all these sites out there saying that, well, yes, this is what you should expect that Trey Lance was going to need time to develop. You, you, 
assholes weren't saying that last year. I was sitting here telling me like everybody was like, oh God, Trey Lance is gonna be the best thing in the his like look at what it is that he needed development. I was saying that last year, I'm still saying it this year. But for fantasy purposes, if he's the starter from day one and they do move on for Garoppolo, I don't care if you're a 50% thrower. If you're going to run for seven or 800 yards and multiple touchdowns, I don't care in fantasy. I don't care how ugly it looks. I'm looking at last year's numbers. So if people want to know on a points per game basis, only Lamar is really the one up here. He only played the 12 games. So he's a right. bit skewed in terms of overall fantasy points. But the top 10 in fantasy scores at quarterback per game, four points for touchdown pass. Allen, Herbert, Brady, Kyler, Mahomes. Those are your top five. Hertz, number six. Lamar, number seven. Rodgers, Dak, Burrow, and Stafford. So Brady, Rodgers, Dak, actually not even really. I, I mean, I'm going to throw Dak in with those guys as part of a package. Non-runners? Run. Yeah, Dak doesn't run. No. <laughs> uh, Burrow? Not anymore. Burrow kind of runs, but not really. And then Stafford doesn't run. So you have like almost a, a legit split. The top two guys, big-time throwers, big-time runners at the same time. Herbert's not on the same level as Allen when it comes to run, rushing. Murray took a step back in rushing, but he still runs enough. Then you have, like, Hertz and Lamar, who both do a lot of fantasy damage with their legs. Uh, and so did Mahomes, realistically, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Like he did. I, I think it's more than people realize. Yeah, he, I love the people that are crapping on Mahomes after that terrible season. Like, the dude just, like, if it wasn't for Josh Allen, I mean, come on. Like, I, I'll happily be like, you know, I would love to see Mahomes fall to, like, the fourth round of drafts next year. I would never take a quarterback that early, but if you gave him to me, like, the late fourth round because people are, like, thinking he's coming off a bad year, I would 100% take that. Well, it, it, that's what we talk about, these dead zone running backs. Like, would you rather draft? I don't know. Josh Jacobs in the third pick of the fourth round or Patrick Mahomes. I'd just rather draft. I mean, maybe uh, Josh Jacobs isn't the right example because maybe you think uh, that he's I was better. Say Damian Harris. Okay, okay sure. Da- yeah, Damian Harris or Patrick Mahomes. Just give me Patrick Mahomes. 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 <laughs> now, there are quarterbacks and that I would see. probably like just as much as Patrick Mahomes who I can get later, but I think that's the thought. The, the, the thought process should be just take a receiver instead, not a quarterback. Yes. But if you did want to <laughs> yes. take one of the high-end quarterbacks, if it turns out to be like, oh, can't draft. There, we're going to get to a point in fantasy drafts when like the advice is like, oh, it's, it's zero everything. Hey, just don't even draft anyone <laughs> the first four rounds. Just trade those picks and draft in the 12th. <laughs> you know, there's legitimately there's some people that the dynasty people that zero first second round picks just we, trade them all back for startups. So that's like legitimately seen that. That's why I'm laughing. We don't really talk dynasty on this show. Uh, there are I know, great, but it was just funny because you made me think of it. There are great resources for dynasty out there. I am not one of them. Jake is actually a very very good resource. Uh, Ray Garvin's a really good resource. Uh, Nick at Big Dog got to eat a very good resource. There's a lot of really good dynasty players around. I'm not even going to dip my toe in there. Do you know why? Because I don't like dynasty fantasy football. I got like a re- you're I got- just you're just asking for more of it, Pat. Because I got a comment. I woke up to a comment this morning. I like they have like Harris at five or six and Herbert one spot behind him. And dude was like, "Really? Do you even dynasty?" I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, sure, well, well, here's here's the sneaky thing. I, I cover multiple sports, and I cover football from both season-long fantasy, daily fantasy, and a gambling aspect. And honestly, I, I mean, I, I only really talk about season-long fantasy with you because we've been doing this show for so long. You're the person that I love to talk to about this. Everything else is going to be like DraftKings or it's going to be gambling. More so gambling than anything. Making I, money. Because that's what I do more than anything. I'll play Dynasty. <laughs> like I, I, have, I have two kids. I'm married. I do this full time. And I already talk about football in three separate ways. I don't got time for Dynasty fantasy football. Like you really need to, like you need to be in the wheel zone of 
mid twenties, not a ton, not a ton going on, and no girlfriend. If you really love dynasty fantasy football, at least in my opinion, maybe I'm way off on that. And I don't mean to, no, to besmirch it, but I used to play in dynasty fantasy football leagues when I was 22 and just out of school. Like I played, I was heavy, and I had like 14 teams. Now I have none. I don't have any time. I no, you're not even wrong because look, hey, I don't have a, a wife or a girlfriend, as people know. But the thing is, is like jumped into fifth and sixth or fourth, fifth and sixth somewhere. I got six dynasty leagues last year and I felt like a dick emailing the guys in the offseason, like saying, like, look, feel free to give away my team. Like, I don't want to be that team. Like, my teams aren't even bad. I won one of them. I won one of them. I finished third in another and the other one was middle of the pack. So it was like three different. Those were the three ones that I added. And they're solid teams. I didn't mortgage the future. I'm not rookies only. They're good teams, but it's just like I legitimately forgot about two of them. Like even trying to make midseason trades or like looking for it's just like you said, it's so it's time consuming, which is weird because some people might think, oh, once the draft is over, there's not much left. But it, it is. It's just so time consuming. Like I, I'm with you. It's a it's a whole different world. And there are very few people that both search out dynasty fantasy football content where I would then come off as a fraud because I'm not playing it. At least I want to be playing the <laughs> stuff that I want to do. And dynasty people are fucking hardcore, man. And like they're into it. Oh, and, and, yes. and, and that's the difference. Like you could get away with it. It was a very casual dynasty fantasy football league, but there are no casual dynasty fantasy football leagues. Like guys oh. are on this, girls are on this 365 days a year. And I just, I've got time. I got golf to cover. <laughs> You could, and you even get the development side too. Where, like, I saw a tweet yesterday. People were already drafting not these rookies. They were drafting the next years, as in trying to project how college players are going to finish their final season before going to next year's draft. So, yes, you can get extremely exposed if you don't know. If you're just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna dip my toe in. Be careful where you dip your toe in. Yeah, I'll have on some Dynasty experts probably once this year, right before the draft, or right after the draft, and we'll go through Dynasty value, and that will be. Wipe my hands in the entire situation. <laughs> Jake Seeley, at Kid on Twitter, the second most accurate ranker of yeah, the right. 2021 season. So the biggest loser of the 2021 season. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, I tried to chase down Jeff. I was chasing him the entire year. I got super close, but my I, I struggled early on. Admittedly, I struggled. I finished top 10, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I'm pretty sure I was either the one or the only two people that did that, but... My quarterback rankings struggled the first three, four weeks, and I was legitimately like in the 90s, and I got all the way back up to like 30, 35th, but it was such a struggle to get chased down Jeff from that standpoint. That That's actually what killed me. But kudos to Jeff Ratcliffe, and we can say this, Pat, because he is on the All In Football podcast with me. That is the most accurate rankings football show in the universe of all universes because it's number one and number two. And the fact that you're number two yet appear on this show with me, I drag down your average so much. This is the least accurate fantasy football rankings <laughs> podcast that you can listen to, watch, you know, inject into your veins, download a transcript of the CC copy off YouTube, whatever it might be. Least accurate. That's what I'm going for here. Theathletic.com. You got any promos on the go? Uh, the, you don't want the best TV one right now. If you actually just go to the athletic, um, actually, if it has run out, so the athletic.com slash bets TV, all capitals for those letters gets you a first free month, but I don't know when it ended. If it's still out there right now, if you just go to one of my articles and you aren't a subscriber, you should get, if it's still available, the first six months, $1 a month. So I would do that versus the one free month. And we can read anything that hacksaw Dan Duggan writes. Yes. Anything <laughs> I'm going to tell him that when I see him at the combine. <laughs> what? 
I lost What's you in the my face ear. For? I, I think I blew out the earpiece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just so disappointed in the fact that I was going to take your nickname and tell him that, that you were just disappointed with me. And there is 0% chance that he has never heard anyone call him that before. I'm going to find out. I will find out at the Combine. All right. Well, that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Smash the likes up to the podcast, up to the Mayo Media Network. That'll do it for us. You can find all Jake's rankings up at theathletic.com. That'll do it for me. More football on the way. We got free agents. We got schedule release. We got draft. And then it's like football season again. So stay tuned. Okay? We'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.